0: Oh hi there! Last week we did a film allegedly made by a totally straight cast and crew. So obviously this week we're going to do a film that allegedly has a fully gay cast and or crew depending on the version of the rumor that you believe. I'm Nito Kitsch and welcome to this week's meeting of the Gay Anarchist Yoga and Erotic Cooking Association. And because it's just not that fun to watch silent films all alone by yourself in a darkened room, this week I'm joined by three 20 era silent film stereotypes. Yeah, I didn't think this one out very well. First up we have Amelia!
1: hi there i am your silent film movie villain i like to tie women up on train tracks and watch as the train runs them over and if you want to see her alive you better follow me at the nefarious navigator on instagram next
0: up we have the one and only brandon hello I am not really sure what trope I am. I guess I'm the girl on the tracks, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> How riveting, and by riveting I mean a permanent mechanical fastener. Anyway, hey, Ro! Hi! What you got?
2: I'm the front of your house that just fell over, but miraculously you were standing in the window? And the wall. <laughs> and you can find me on Facebook at
0: Susqueen, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at SusqueenRo. <laughs> So tonight we're talking about 1923 Salome, one of the first honest entries into American queer cinema. But to introduce tonight's cast and crew, we only really need to know two names that I'm about to really badly mispronounce. First up, we have the producer and actress herself, Alana Nazanova, And secondly, we have the costume designer, art designer, so many other things, Nataka Rambova. It is rumored that they were sometimes lovers, but let's get to know them a little better in a game we're calling Mova or Bova. Uh, I know I, I mispronounced them, but does it make any better that I uh, had Spanish class in East Texas and like half of it was watching Selena and the other half was watching Empress in a Groove? With you Spanish spent half of
2: your school year watching Selena?
0: yeah that's how that yeah, crazy. I would take that Spanish class. <laughs> I did. So this is our easy game. All you need to do is buzz in and tell me if what I'm describing applies to Alan Ozanova or Nataka Rambova. Seven questions, whoever answers most wins, and there are negative points, so make your, you know guess matter. Ooh. All right, here we go. Question one: She was married to fellow actor Charles Bryant in what was described as a lavender marriage. Amelia?
1: uh a- Azenova, the the actress Nazakova nazakova right
0: <laughs> there goes our russian audience
1: nazimova there we go i forgot her name
2: <laughs> <Nova> or Bova. <laughs>
0: it's, it's, it's that easy either way you're right 11 your marriage is when two stars would marry to cover up one or both of their sexualities what's more there are conflicting reports over if nazimova was a bisexual or a lesbian question two i forgot to record your point that that's not the question just give me one second Bova (laughs) And that's negative 12 points for Ro (laughs) So question 2 She was the screenwriter for the movie Under the pen name Peter M. Winters Yes Ro Nova More like Nova That's incorrect It was Bova I got them mixed up Mixed up only counts for trail mix
1: (laughs) (laughs) A likely story
0: Okay, so question three. Despite credit for the film's direction going to Charles Bryant, who actually directed this film? Ro? Bova. Did you say Bova or... Bova. Okay. You're correct. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) Hooray! (laughs) Nataka Rambova really needs some more uh, credit for this movie because like, she did the art direction, the costuming. She was probably the person who mainly wrote the script. She directed it legitimately this is more her film when it comes to input but anyway let's go on to question four whose marriage ended in 1925 due in some part to rumors of their sexuality yes Brandon uh Nova that is correct although this is also a trick question because both of their marriages ended in 1925 due in some part to rumors of their sexuality that's the best type of Trick question. I know, right? Everyone wins. That answered it. <laughs> All right, Ro. If you get this one, then we'll have a three-way tie. Gossip slept. Kenneth Anger implied in his book, Hollywood Babylon, that this person never slept with their husband specifically. Yes, Ro? Nova. We are still in a two-way tie because that is incorrect. <laughs> Am I back down to negative one again? <laughs> yes. Yes, you are. Oh, no! <laughs> Congratulations. I guess. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently Hollywood Babylon has managed to Kenneth anger a lot of people with his factual inaccuracies. Anyway, this could be the final point of the game if either Amelia or Brandon gets it. So question six. With the divorce and the rumors swirling, one of them ended up leaving their field altogether for a long time. Who was it? Brennan is Nova and you've won Bova or Nova congratulations yeah yeah. Yeah, the film
3: ended her career didn't it or
0: came close to
1: I think I remember reading that yeah
0: well it's it's kind of like according to Nazanova she just got really really disillusioned with the Hollywood system Um, but she did sink her personal finances into the film and didn't see a return for it so kind of we can really just talk about that in a little bit. But for now, our winner for the first game is Brandon. Hooray! What do I get? You get to summarize this entire film for us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the prize nobody wants and everybody wins. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alright, whenever you're ready.
3: Okay, well, um, this film is based off of the play by Oscar Wilde, where it's about this uh, virginal princess who really lusts after this uh, prophet-type character who's been imprisoned by her stepfather, and so she must give up her innocence and dance for her lustful stepfather in order to get what she wants, I guess. Is,
0: is that pretty good?
3: do I do good? Yeah, A+. Plus. I'll mail you a
0: cookie. Not that there was
2: much story-wise to the movie to begin with. Uh...
0: I guess that's kind of debatable. I mean, (laughs) uh, the New York censors apparently said in this film, This picture is in no way religious in theme or interpretation. In my judgment, it is a story of depravity and immorality. Who made worse because of the biblical background? Sacrilegious! Obviously. I mean, I'm a little bit disappointed because Vito Russo made it seem like this was this, you know, den of depravity, and, like... I don't actually think it's that bad. This is one of those
3: films that came before the Hayes Code, and I guess like themes and ideas were considered just as salacious as what was being depicted. I guess I don't know. That's a good place to start.
2: I think if you're if you're looking at it from a modern day lens, I think our society has been pushed so far forward, morally speaking, that. Anything that would be considered sacrilegious in the 1920s just looks tame to us now. They're like, oh, there's a couple of arm holds and uh, some, some, some glances and a few costume changes and a dance. Ooh, somebody
0: danced. Ooh, an ankle. How scandalous. (laughs) <laughs> like, like i'm a, I'm a pretty i'm, I'm a horn dog and like n- nothing about this really turned me on if i'm being honest
2: <laughs> i will say the the lighting was wonderful the costumes were beautiful um mm-hmm. i think i speak for everybody here when i say we love a good nipple pasty amen um yeah <laughs> i mean bar bar a couple of examples that i'm sure we will get to later um this film is generally aesthetically pleasing.
0: Yeah, and like a lot of the other films like being made at the time really didn't have this level of like production and look and it was very surrealist and it was you know legitimately probably the first art film uh of this like length that was
3: produced. Yeah. I I love it. It's one of my favorite silent films.
1: Yeah, I like art films. A lot, so I appreciated it as that. Um, I think it's definitely one of those movies that you have to kind of know what you're getting into with it because there's not, like, a super cohesive, like, plot. Um, I think there's, like, a little more abstraction to it.
2: Yeah, I definitely think one of the benefits of going into a movie like Salome now is that we have literally so many representations of the story of salome over a century of media that we can point to any specific um piece of media and you'd still be able to get a basic grip of the plot if you know the story at all no
0: so like uh my enjoyment of this film it's kind of weird because I learned about it from The Celluloid Closet, the book by Vito Russo. Uh, and I was like, oh my gosh, like the idea of this and all gay cast and stuff is just really great. Uh, the, the the idea of like a silent movie where things went by theater logic and everything had to be bigger. Sounds like it would be like a great match. And then I watched it and it was just, I didn't like it. <laughs> But but then, like, uh, so, like, there was this thing we used to do in college where we would sync up kids' movies to, like, albums by, like, more adult people. Like, we did Care Bears movie. Well, we didn't do it. My friend did Care Bears movie with Nine Inch Nails and uh, Land Before Time with Radiohead. So I was just like, why not? Let's just sync up this movie with uh, Kid A and OK Computer and see what happens. And I love it now. It's
2: <laughs> one of... When when it's not silent anymore it's amazing how great of a silent
0: film it is.
1: <laughs>
0: oh my god. Silent films, they'd be better if they had sound. But seriously, like you have to skip the bonus track for Kid A, but like this is this is the soundtrack that Salome always needed and needs to be made official one day.
3: Yeah. I have about silent films is like the scoring is never correct it never feels right at all
2: especially yeah especially for a film like this that has no discernible original scoring at all yeah um (laughs) you're you're almost forced to you're almost forced to make do (laughs)
0: <laughs> I think we should try this with more bands. Like, let's do Sophie or, you know, Charlie XCX or the, not the Beatles, the Beatles suck. Um, you know, um, that hands the devil. Let's, you know, let's just see what works. That's the fun of it, right? <laughs> so since we're talking about unofficial things, let's discuss the rumor that this had an all-gay cast. So this is a rumor that has legitimately been around since the production of this started. Uh... It, this is a rumor that is so prevalent that in the 1977 movie Valentino about Rudolph Valentino, the husband of Taka Rambova, uh, Ala Nazanova shows up and is asked by a reporter if the rumors that Valentino refused to be in an all-homosexual production of Salome were real or not. And considering that this was really slammed by the censors for its content, especially its sexual content, that leads to the f- idea that this film already had a bad reputation for being a homosexual project. On the opposite side of things, there's a clue that an extra was interviewed and said that the ratio of straight to homosexual actors was nothing different than in any other movie. Uh, but there's, uh, there's a problem with that. Um, before April 2006, I couldn't find this claim anywhere. And it just doesn't really make that much sense... Like, if you're an extra in a movie and basically seeing that everyone's lives are being destroyed by this homosexual production, why would you give an interview to anyone? And if you're going with the idea that maybe gossip slut Kenneth Anger did repopularize this rumor in the late 60s, around the time that he was doing Hollywood Babylon, then, like... Most of the people were dead. I can only find two crew members that lived past the 70s. Nazimova was already dead. Rambova died a year after Hollywood Babylon 1 came out. So it's like, then you have to find someone and basically make sure that they were actually an extra in this heavily uncredited film. It's a complete mess. Like before 2006 people were just talking about this claim that it had an all gay cast with well that's kind of sketchy but like after 2007 like the discussion almost always included this claim that was unsourced and can't be found anywhere uh except for the website of the person who put the information into the Wikipedia article like, I could only find this information. That doesn't mean it's not out there. It just means that I couldn't find it on the website, queersilence.com. That silence as in silent film, not silence as a shh. And that website doesn't exist anymore. You actually have to find it on the Wayback Machine. But that was the only place I could find this rumor before that. If it, if it If someone knows where it came from, please let me know, and, you know, I will correct this. But for now, like... I don't think this is an actual thing. I think it was just made up or misheard and put into the article and no one bothered to actually check it. The all-gay casting kind of makes sense because the two heads were, uh, if nothing else, attracted to women and not sleeping with their husbands. (laughs) And since this is a play based on a notorious gay person, it leads more credence to the idea that this might be a more homosexual cast than normal. But the thing is that everyone that we could have talked to to confirm this is now dead. So the rumor in itself that this has an all-gay cast really comes up to your own personal belief.
2: Don't you think it adds to the mystique of the movie, though? I mean, it's such an interesting art film as silent movies go, and... If you look around, you can see moments that by the time standards were pretty darn gay. So, is it unfounded rumor? Possibly. Uh, Could it be read as a gay film? Possibly. I really think it comes down to who's watching it and what they take out of it. To me, this movie seemed pretty darn queer.
0: I think you'd have to take out, like, a huge chunk of it just to make it, you know, not gay. Uh, I mean, the two heads were lesbians. I've got a lot of gay innuendo, at least for, like, movement and subtext in here. Uh, I, I think, you know, this, is, this isn't like a case of, like, a film that got adopted to be a gay film. I think that this is, you know, genuinely a gay film. Like, that's my perspective on it. And it's worth mentioning that, you know, there were films released before this one that had queer elements to them as well, which brings us to our second game for the night, a little thing that we're calling Produce This. A game where tonight, silent stars have to pitch a vehicle for themselves and sneak in a few gay things with it. Let's start with Brandon.
3: Okay, uh, this one's science fiction-based. All right, and so this farm boy is kidnapped by aliens and sent off to this distant planet that is a lot friendlier than he expected it to be.
2: <laughs> like friendly friendlier in what ways? I, like...
3: <laughs> oh you know. They're just really nice people. <laughs>
0: well if we're going by the haze code there's actually a rule that homosexuals have to be depicted in a negative light um
3: which was usually used by censors before that as well like pitch them as villains Hmm. maybe it's like it's like a stepford planet where the aliens appear or i guess yeah the the people of that planet but they're aliens to him anyways (laughs) uh They present very nicely, but there's something sinister that lurks underneath that he has to discover for himself.
0: Ooh, I like that one. (laughs) I might have to steal that for a future project. (laughs) Okay, uh, next up we got Amelia.
1: Continuing with the drag theme, actually make Salome a person in drag, but very discreetly so that, you know, obviously the censors wouldn't pick up on it. Therefore, any salacious scenes of them holding arms or... You know, threatening to kiss each other would actually be two men about to kiss each other.
0: Um, gasp.
1: <laughs> gasp. It's weird <laughs> to think
0: that, like, gender bending was actually, like, really popular at the time. So that probably would go way over the censor's heads. All right, let's go to row for the final.
2: All right, for my pitch... Two men wash up on a deserted island together. There's little to no food. Which will happen first? Will they devour each other's bodies in an attempt to stay fit, or will they fall madly in love and start a new life together?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That seems like it might be so blunt. (laughs) Sensors wouldn't pick up on
2: it. Yeah, I wasn't go I wasn't going for subtlety at all.
0: <laughs> Something that you can really, you know, sink your teeth into. Something. Oh Flip yeah, his- it's
2: an it's a nail biter, it's an arm biter, it's a leg biter, it's a it's a everything biter.
3: <laughs> it's an elbow biter. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And now it's time for the final showdown Time to see if our stars can translate to the talkies As we play tonight's final game Spot the lie In this game, there is only one wrong answer But that's the wrong answer that you're looking for Tell me which answer out of the three is a lie First person to two points wins Sounds good Alright, here we go Question one This film was not picked up for distribution after it was completed, which is usually a sign that would fade into nothingness and never be released. Here are three options why it hasn't faded into obscurity. Choose the wrong one to win. Number one, it eventually got picked up for distribution, meaning more copies were made to help preserve it. Number two, the New York censor that reviewed the film actually kept a copy of it. How sus. And when the Library of Congress was looking for a print, he donated his, directly leading to its preservation and distribution under public domain. Or could it be number three? It's become a staple of sorts at gay and lesbian film festivals here and there. Most get a live orchestra to perform alongside it when it's shown. Through word of mouth and write in queer cinema history books, it's become an icon of queer art in the 20s. Uh, Amelia.
1: Uh, I don't think it became a staple in game f- in gay film festivals. It
0: actually has been shown quite frequently really? in queer film festivals, especially those dealing with more artistic okay. films. So now we're left with two options. Which one is the wrong one? It got picked up for distribution, or the New York censor that reviewed it actually kept a copy of it? Uh, yes, Ro? Um, I
2: don't think it was ever eventually picked up for
0: distribution it was years after it was finished but you know (laughs) it, it eventually was picked up for a small distribution the wrong answer that i thought was pretty obvious was that the new york censor kept his copy of the film and donated it to the library of congress So, no points for anyone. Moving on to the next one.
2: So he really was a hard ass.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he really seemed to just hate this film. Moving onwards to question two. Salome was based on the Oscar Wilde play of the same name and was specifically chosen for production by allegedly a queer cast and crew due to Wilde's... Well, everything. (laughs) Walt famously did not see this play when it was first performed. Tell me why that was. Was it because it was set to premiere in London around 1892, but was banned because it was actually illegal to perform biblical stories on stage? Was it number two? He was in jail for sodomy until 1897 and missed the first performance in in 1896. Or was it three? He may have literally been dying to see it performed, but he literally died before it could be performed. Okay, Rui, you got this. He literally died. He literally did it, which means you got it. (gasps)
2: Yay! (laughs) I got an actual point.
0: (laughs) Yay for dead people. (laughs) oh so wald went to jail for sodomy in 1895 something that wasn't illegal in the united states until 2003 why are you why are you
2: so slow in the united states you need to get on it
0: they were busy what? <laughs> i guess
2: <laughs>
0: okay so two questions left here we go Salami is possibly one of the most influential art films out there. Which of these is not something it inspired? Number one, in 2011 Al Pacino directed an experimental drama and documentary film about the play and its history only to realize general audiences wouldn't be interested. So he cut out the documentary part and re-released it again in 2013. Is it number two? In 2018, Duncan Jones, directed films like Moon and Son of David Bowie, told Rolling Stone that prior to Blackstar, David Bowie was working on a concept album based on the 1923 film and its fallout through Nazimova's eyes. Due to some legal issues, he's not allowed to release or use the demos Bowie came up with, but was trying to get support to have them released. Or is it number three? In 1906, a production of Salome known as The Vision of Salome that was bi- that was loosely based off Salome was the subject of a nineteen eighteen article titled The Cult of the Clitoris, and implied that its writer and performer, Maud Allen, was a lesbian and German sympathizer. She sued and lost only for the state to go after her on obscenity charges, including but not limited to <laughs> Necrophilia. It does not look like she was actually ever brought to court on them though. Uh yes, Brandon? I wanna say two, the David Bowie story. That is correct. David Bowie, despite knowing both Joey Arias and Klaus Nomi, didn't really seem to ever have any interest in Salome. Alright, and we're down to the final question where it's Roe versus Brandon to see who's going to be my best friend for this episode. So, here we go. Question four. How about we end on an easy one? Nowadays, you can find Salome online for free since it's in the public domain. Which of these other queer films from around the time can't you pair with Salome for a double feature because it doesn't exist? Number one is Wings, a film that has possibly the first same-sex kiss in a feature film that was widely released. Though maybe not as gay as we initially thought, the film is a cautionary tale about two boys who go to war to become pilots. They constantly try to best each other until in one battle, one of them gets shot down only to find an abandoned enemy plane, fly back into the battle, and take the other enemies down but this works too well because that friend is shot down by the other friend thinking that he in the enemy plane is another enemy the other friend who shot him down then lands to basically gloat in his you know enemy's face only to find out that it is his friend who is now dying and he confesses his feelings you know friendship and brotherhood and all that stuff uh before he kisses him and the and the shot friend passes away i think i just proved that no one on this show is good at summarizing things Number two is A Florida Enchantment, which was a sex-reversal comedy about a woman that comes across some magical seeds that, when swallowed, will change the sex of that person. What follows is a madhouse of gender-bidding and role-reversal that both explores gender roles and to general audiences, it's just really funny to see a man acting like a woman. Womp womp. This was one of the first, if not the first, to have gender-reversal for both sexes, instead of just letting women pretend to be men to see how great they would have it had they been born with a penis. And option 3 is Daddy's Girl, translated from the French t- title La fille qui est un garçon pour son père. Literally translated into, the girl who was a boy for her father. This was a drama film about a single father battling depression and delusions due to the loss of his son to sickness. He starts referring to his daughter by his son's name, and to help him, she starts acting more and more tomboyish, which brings them closer and also helps him pass away happy at the end from the same sickness. There is legitimately one of the most iconic scenes in Silent film history in this movie. After the death of the father, the final scene has the daughter sitting in a park, looking out as wind blows through her hair. She wipes away a single tear as this other girl, who thinks that she is a boy and is attracted to her, comes up and holds her. The final shot of the film is the daughter turning over and asking the other girl if she'd like to go out with her. And then it cuts to black. This shot is so iconic that it was copied by over 25 films during the Hays Code, shot for shot, and is popularly known as the Daddy Shot, because Daddy's Girl. God, that sounds creepy. All right, so which one did I make up? Brandon? I'm going to say Wings is the wrong answer. Um, Wings actually exists, believe it or not. All right, Ro. <laughs> it's what?
2: your turn, oh goodness um I'm gonna go <laughs> with um
0: uh, number two, the Florida gender change movie <laughs> i am I'm just so disappointed in all of that
1: no! <laughs> why, why would
0: you not choose daddy's daddy's girl? Oh, um, um, Nate,
2: I would just real quick would like you to apologize to the French language for the murder you've committed.
0: (laughs) I will. No, you know, I actually asked, Mel. (laughs) I actually asked for help translating that. So it would be accurate. So I think I deserve a little bit of credit. Thanks, Mel.
2: Uh Mel Mel, by the way, for our audience was our lovely guest host for our first episode on But I'm a Cheerleader. And we'll see
0: her again. <laughs> but
2: in the meantime,
1: I literally called she it She
2: definitely the- will.
1: <laughs> I literally called daddy it the Daddy scroll. Shot. The Daddy Shot. The daddy shot The Daddy Shot. Ugh. Oh
2: what is a daddy, sh-
1: the daddy shot? The daddy shot sounds like something that would be in porn. <laughs> it does. Like I bet if I went on like Pornhub and looked up daddy shot I'd come up with quite a few hits.
2: I looked up Daddy Shot on Google, and I'm
0: getting a lot of, like, alcohol recipes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that means that by default, Amelia is my best friend for this episode. Congratulations, <laughs> Amelia. Congratulations, Amelia. Apparently you suck
2: less than both of us.
0: Let's not make this a thing, please. (laughs) So, Default Best Friend, what do you think? Is this movie actually worth people's time, or should they spend their time doing other things, like disappointing me personally?
1: I think if you're somebody that likes art films, I would definitely recommend it. But, like, most art films, I don't usually recommend it to just average movie viewers. That sounds bitchy. I just mean, like, you know, like, people that are into not-art films, because I feel like that's its own, like, set of tastes and things that you're, like, into. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's that's respectable. A lot of people don't even like silent films. Um, so, you know, if this might be your thing, give it a try. What do you think, Brandon?
3: It's definitely one of those films that's... I mean, maybe back in the day it was quite something but it's kind of inaccessible to a casual goer but yeah i, I really enjoy it though i'm um, definitely my cup of tea
0: all right and last but certainly not blah 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 row
2: <laughs> <laughs> so i'd like to preface my recommendation by saying that there is some v- questionable racial representation in this <laughs> and by questionable I mean, some downright minstrelly shit. Um, but if you're willing to look past that and you like art films, I'd give this a recommendation. And if you like to alter your consciousness and watch films with the backing of like really psychedelic music, then I would definitely give this film a recommendation. Um it was so much more interesting when we listened when we listened to Radiohead behind it.
0: I know, right? <laughs> I know, right? <sighs> uh well, that's just what we think. But if you've seen this movie or end up going to watch it, we'd love to hear about your experience. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at GayEcoPod, that's G-A-Y-E-C-A-P-O-D. While you're there, why not suggest a movie for us to watch in the future? We're always looking for new suggestions. And who knows, we might end up covering one in the future. So that was Salome, an art film from the 1920s, and like most things in the 1920s, they desperately need a facelift. So let's hear what my friends have come up with to reboot this movie and make it more interesting to modern audiences first up we've got amelia
1: um yeah i would keep all all the costumes obviously uh especially lady gaga hair big fan of the lady gaga hair uh in the end there um i would probably like take the story of john the baptist and maybe like turn this into a horror movie instead you know john the baptist loses his head Suddenly it's talking, maybe, like, you know, there's some Lady Macbeth action going on where Salome, like, starts going crazy because she ordered his head to be cut off. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Oh, I want to see that so badly. All right. right I really
3: like that. Only, I would add in there, her dance is like witchcraft by itself kind of like the style in suspiria a little bit because i don't know her dance i feel like it was an influence on that film so it would be interesting if she could cause i don't know pain with her dancing (laughs) Uh, we
0: need tilda swinton for this so get her on board asap finally we have ro what you got for us what
2: i'm looking for in my reboot is a return to hollywood heyday glory I want the big sets, I want the soundstage, I want it crowded, gay as hell. And I want the exact same costumes. <laughs> <laughs> except, except for all the minstrel bullshit that can run Coming away. Coming soon to a theater near you, John the Gay Baptist. John the Gay Baptist, absolutely.
0: <laughs> Thank you all for joining us for tonight's meeting with the Gay Anarchist Yoga and Erotic Cooking Association. I'm Nito Kitsch, reminding you that mimes will never not be creepy. <laughs> Later.